All right. Well, here we go. Uh, hey, y'all. This is uh, Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap up today. Whew. Today, we're going to be talking about the ongoing threat to our existence. That is the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Rather, not so much the ongoing threat to our existence as the uh, continuing reminder that we live in a failed state at the declining er ages of the American empire. Because uh, other countries are not suffering the way that we are. Uh, case in point, look at, like I don't know, Taiwan. I was reading an article, uh, Twitter thread this morning, and it made me very, very mad. Uh, we're also going to be talking about how ballot measures stacked up across the state. Uh, some interesting uh, perspectives that came out of the Los Angeles Police Protective League uh, and uh, a, a presentation that they were giving to the... Um, uh, police commissioners this uh, recently uh, talking a little bit about Alex Villanueva and then we're going to be joined by our good friend Terry Winningham from Knock.LA to talk about uh, Steve Lopez and his bullshit uh, and then uh, to close things off we're going to talk a little bit about how you can become an elected official right here in the city of Los Angeles uh, and why we desperately need you to run uh, <laughs> shit's bad y'all uh, but first things first how's it going for you Bushido? Good. I'm just jamming out to the smooth jazz, uh, the, the the soundtrack of our lives, as it were. Uh, but yeah, it's been an interesting week rolling into Thanksgiving. Um, you know, so like I'm not traveling anywhere, which kind of sucks. I'd very much like to, you know, go visit my family, um, especially that family that's like within a reasonable driving distance. But uh, mm -hmm. pandemic. So I'm not. But so I have this I came up with this plan because like. I like cooking turkey, but not like a full turkey. I just like doing the breast because like the dark meat just makes it a whole clusterfuck to do the bird correctly. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go out and get two turkey breasts, which I'm gonna dry brine the fuck out of. And then I'm gonna make them both. And one of them is gonna be for me and my roommates to do a little, little family Thanksgiving here. And then the other one, I'm just gonna go pass out to people that I see living around me on the streets because they need it. So cool. if you feel like cooking a lot of shit, but you're not gonna eat it, there are people out there that definitely, definitely would appreciate a nice, Thanksgiving meal, so I would encourage you to go do that. Uh, and now, Chris, before I ask you about how your week's going, I am going to embarrass you again, because holy oh, shit, SpaceX helped make history, and I want you to tell people about, like, what SpaceX did, because it is really fucking cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's really cool. SpaceX just delivered, um, you know, NASA astronauts as part of a NASA contract, on a flight mission. So they did they did deliver astronauts up to the space station earlier on a test mission, um, but that was just three astronauts and uh, forget exactly how that all shook out. I haven't been paying as close of attention to it as I used to when I you know worked there. Um, but yeah. yes, this was the first time that we had a, a full complement, a full crew complement on board the Dragon spacecraft heading up to the space station, delivering these astronauts, um, which is something that when I first started working there uh, back in 2008 was uh, utterly unimaginable. Uh, I mean, it was, it, we could imagine it. It just was like very difficult to see how we got from where we were launching a tiny little one engine rocket off of uh, an atoll in the middle of the Pacific Ocean uh, in the Kwajalein, Kwajalein Atoll in the Marshall Islands. Uh, going from that to now launching uh, repeatedly uh, and reusing rockets and, and taking stuff up to the space station and having my hardware that I designed be part of that is uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And I, I thank you for continuing to keep me reminded of where the, that stuff is at because uh, my brain is just melting in the local political bullshit because things are so bleak and 
I, I'm struggling to keep uh, keep a hand on it. But um, going off of yeah, what you no, said but, earlier, but, but I was going to say, you know, on. like keep this mm-hmm. keep this in mind, folks. Today, Los Angeles. Tomorrow, the moon. We got plans. <laughs> we got plans. <laughs> Indeed we do. Um, But speaking of plans, if you are going to be around in Los Angeles, and I really do hope that you're not going to be traveling for for Thanksgiving, uh, as much as it sucks to not be able to spend time with your uh, friends and family and and other loved ones in your uh, more extended circles, the reality of the situation is that we do live in a failed state. Uh, the federal government has utterly failed us on COVID-19, and it's it's imperative that everybody stay home. and, and don't go don't go out and do other things either. If you can in, in any way stay home, like do yeah. the self-isolation, do the voluntary lockdown, because this is a very, very bleak situation. However, if you uh, are healthy and able and want to lend a hand, I know that Polo's Pantry and other, uh, you know, food working uh, organizations uh, that that do food distribution uh, are going to be teaming up with at least K-Town Frawl and a number of other folks, People City Council, and they will be distributing Thanksgiving meals. Uh, if you want to get involved with that, hit them up at, at K-Town for All on Twitter, uh, or you can hit up Melissa Asadera. I will include Melissa's uh, Twitter handle in the show notes because I don't remember it off the top of my head, but she is fucking amazing, and she does it's incredible a, work with Polo's Pantry. It, it's at Mel Music, and that's M-E-L-L-E-M-U-S-I-C. So look her up on Twitter. Perfect. She does does yes. amazing work and is also like in a, a network with a whole bunch of other food justice folks. So like, if you want to tap into yes. that, a to just keep keep tabs on it, or b learn how to do that. There's a wealth of information and knowledge out there for you. Yeah, and and uh, Melissa is so awesome. Like we had her on as a guest on the on Knock at Night, and when we were on there, she just busts out the Black Panthers like the book about uh, food justice. It was just like yes. This is what we're doing right now. I love it. Uh, but anyway, the yeah. the the, the uh, our unhoused neighbors uh, and our um, uh, and people who are living in in housing insecure situations where they're having to struggle between whether or not they're paying their rent or buying food. Uh, everybody needs a hand, and so if you are able to help with that, please, please do reach out to Melissa, mm-hmm. reach out to K Town for All, reach out to other folks doing food justice work, and uh, get involved. I'm sure Food Not Bombs is going to be doing a bunch of work. Uh, there, there are so many ways that you can get involved, uh, during this, uh, during this, this holiday season. Uh, and that's a good way of standing up against the, you know, uh, colonial imperialist bullshit that is the root of all of this. But we don't have time to go into all of that because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, so this is, this is the time of year that we're supposed to be spreading joy and cheer, not coronavirus. So, um, hey. you know, so Jenny Nicholson Jesus is like, I, I kind of like, I, I, I like watching her YouTube content, but she had a tweet that went pretty viral where she was like, we should stop using the phrase, avoid it like the plague because humans do not do that. So let's talk about this because, um, it sucks and it's scary. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, God damn this, it. Remember this... the, the curve, we're trying to flatten it this way. Not, not this way. Asymptote, this way, vertical asymptote bad, way. horizontal asymptote good. Uh, as of this recording, we now have 1.1 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California, 1,105,022 specifically. That is a staggering 81,041 new cases since we last recorded. That just, it just a lot of fucking people. blows my mind. Um, there were 12,186 new confirmed cases yesterday. Uh, we're up to 
fuck, we're up to 18,708 deaths in the state due to the virus. 60 of them came yesterday. Um, reminder, because people, I guess, need to know, when the line goes like that, uh, this this line starts to follow. So you can start to see how we had that uptick uh, toward the end of October in the number of new cases before everything went just fucking wild. Um, yep. And we're beginning to see the 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 uptick here in the the number of deaths in the state uh, following that trend line uh, about two to, two to three weeks uh, lag time, which is uh, right where we expect it to be. It's really fucking bleak. Uh, here in the county of Los Angeles, we're up to 362,024 confirmed cases of COVID-19. Uh, 4,387 new cases reported yesterday. Uh, that is, Jesus, 25,353 new cases since we last recorded. Uh, and as far as the death toll is going, we're following a very similar trend here in the county as the rest of the state. We're up to 7,000. 267 deaths in the county due to the virus, 21 of them yesterday. And as you can see in this graph here, yeah. the right side of it, like we would have spikes up and spikes down. Like there are white lines going down in the graph all throughout this. And then on um, this last week, there, the white lines started to disappear. Um, yeah. That negative space is not there. It is just, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's not good. Uh, and it's it's also it's taking a toll on our healthcare workers, especially those on the front lines. It is going to push our healthcare yes. system here in the California and in many states across the nation over the point of failure, especially as we enter into flu season. Like the flu kills like 30,000 people a year. We're barely beginning flu season and COVID yep. is going to be raging like this is going to be so, so dangerous for so many people. And it was so easy to have not ended up here. And we yep. just absolutely failed fucking miserably um so yep. you know not to be paranoid but like if you can stay indoors stay indoors limit your outside you activity I'm not a huge fan of using like apps for delivering groceries and stuff because that means that there's a worker out there who's now underpaid and unprotected because of prop 22 risking their health for you but like if you're immuno immunocompromised if you've got children at home if you've got other vulnerable people in your life you know the least bad choice that you've got is the choice that you should make um, and we don't have a lot of good choices here. So don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself some grace. This is a really yeah. fucked up period of time. So speaking of overwhelming our healthcare system, we can see now the uh, this is the the graph that as this one gets closer to that zero line at the bottom, that's when things start to get very bleak. We are down to 614 is... available ICU beds here in yeah. L.A. County. Yeah. And the thing we've learned about coronavirus since this started is that COVID-19 isn't just a respiratory illness as we initially thought. It's really a pulmonary illness, and it affects yes. a lot of systems in your body. So a lot of people who get it who are vulnerable are experiencing more than just respiratory failure, and it causes real cardiac problems, real neurological problems. Uh, there's going to be knock-on effects that are going to chase people for years. So I know that there are vaccines on the way, but it's going to take a while to manufacture enough vaccines to get the to get people to take them and also to make sure that the vaccines are safe. Like... Yeah. Pfizer and Merck both say that their vaccines are like super safe and you can trust it. We don't know that until we test it in the field. There's a difference between a limited study and a full demographic like rollout of a vaccine like yeah. this. So uh, it's, uh, it's, that, it's still iffy. Uh, well, on top of that, it's the the vaccination require. It's a two round vaccination. So even after you get your vaccination, you still can't 
you can't let up. Like you need yeah. to go for another solid four weeks before you can get that second round of immunization going. And even then you still have to wait at least another two weeks before you are probably going to be okay. And even yeah. then you still should be masking up and limiting social contact because until we reach a threshold of the population that has been vaccinated, it's still dangerous. So just, yeah. Just hold on. Like the vaccine isn't going to solve all of our problems. Yes, it's going to help make things significantly better if they are safe and, and everything proves out the way that they're looking. And right now it does look very, very good. Like the technology yeah. behind these vaccines is incredibly powerful. It is uh, shocking to somebody who like I, I was involved in very interested in like biomedical engineering when I first went off to college and seeing like what leaps and bounds have been made in the last uh, 17 years since I first went to USC. Like it is incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. The way that they're able to, to do the genomic processing, figure out how to get the signal RNA out of the virus, using that to teach the cells in your body how to make the little precursors that the virus can then, uh, that, that primes your immune system to fight the virus when you eventually do get infected or could get infected. It's incredible. But uh, yeah. as things stand right now, this is what California looked like two weeks ago. This oh God, is it's gonna get worse. last week and no. now this week. So the darker it gets, the worse oh. it is. And like, it's just really bad. So it's, it's actually kind of hard to tell the difference between like two weeks ago and last week, which is funny. Cause like I was last week, I was talking on here like, Hey, look at this. You, you can see like the area just South of Reading gets darker and like everything in the middle of the in the state gets darker. And then you go to this week and it's like, Oh fuck. Like yep. the Central Valley is just being ravaged by COVID right now. And that's not going to be changing anytime soon. It's going to be getting worse for the next yeah. two months at least. So please, 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 please stay home. Uh, protect yourself and your loved ones and the rest of your community by staying the fuck home. Do whatever you can right. to stay the fuck home. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, go ahead now. Let's uh, We're pulling in Terry, right? Yes, we are. So yeah, let's pull in Terry, and then we're going to talk about ballot measures. I can tell you. Point Oop, hold A, up. Terry. Today, hold on. Hold LAPD on. LAPD officers do not feel <laughs> respected by their city. Forgot to turn that off. Yep, yeah, we we're, we're saving that. We're, we're saving that for yeah, later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one later. But uh, how you doing, Terry? I'm doing bad. People are sick and dying. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the <clears throat> the, the, the short of it. Uh, but uh, yeah. aside from that. Uh, I'm obviously uh, in a very small blank room, so I'm yeah. doing my part. Austin situation seems to be going well. You look healthy. Little proof Thanks. of life going on. Yeah, yeah, we're here. We, we at Knox, we never rest. For... Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and talk ballot measures. So what we're going to talk about here, like the vote is not certified in the state of California for another 18 days, but at this point, the vast majority of votes have been counted. Um, we're pretty certain these results are not going to shift. But what I want to look at is the way that different counties voted. So let's go ahead and throw up the graphic that shows how the state of California overall voted on these ballot measures. We're not going to like line by line this, but I just want to show you general impression. There's a lot of red on there. There's a lot of good things that didn't pass, and there's a couple of bad things that did pass. The reason this happened is because we won the urban centers, like the big counties like Los Angeles and San Francisco. We won those outright. Let's throw up uh, That's LA County, I take it? That's LA. All right, let's put up San Francisco. Yep. See there? We got a lot of green on the board. A lot of good things passed in those very counties. A lot of people voted yeah. for them. LA yeah. and San Francisco, but, basically, like, very much yeah. the same. San Francisco uh, San Francisco defeated Prop 22. 
Yep. The home of these fucking ghoulish companies defeated Prop 22. The fuck was the rest of the state doing? Yep. So oh, let's, uh, let's, let's look, look at the rest of the state. <laughs> yeah. Alpine County. Which is a tiny, mm. tiny little county. We're talking like 10,000, 30,000 votes per like anything. Uh, that's a lot of red on the board. A lot of red. They they were not fans of, of stuff. And you can, you can see Prop Bernardino. 22 is green on there. Yep. Another very conservative but larger county. A lot of red on the board. A lot of green in the wrong places. Uh, Ventura. Ventura, midsize. A uh, little bit like threading the needle there, but still a lot more red where you don't want to see the red. And then uh, what's the last one we got? I think Yuba. Uh, Yuba one mm-hmm. of the smallest counties, I believe the smallest county in the state of California. A lot of red on there, folks. Like my thesis that we're winning the urban centers and losing the rest of the state holds pretty fucking firm. Like we're doing really good organizing in Los Angeles and like San Francisco and even San Diego. We're not doing so hot when we're talking Central Valley, when we're talking uh, north of San Francisco towards mm. the, uh, the Oregon uh, border. We're not doing real well when we talk the southeastern part of the state, like east of San Diego along the uh, mm. Mexican border. Like, we're, we got to get out there. Like, we as a movement need to be making better inroads because the people who are generally suffering from things like a lack of rent control, lack of worker protections, those are the people who live in the Central Valley, the people who live in the less economically productive parts of the state. And like, mm-hmm. we're really fucking dropping the ball there. I am not, I'm not a fan of it, but it's also a struggle. Like it's much easier for me to say, Hey, get out there and organize the central Valley than it is to get out there and organize the central Valley. We yeah. got two years, two years before the next election. Absolutely. Uh, real quick. Cabbage 18 just said in uh, the Twitch chat, the rest of the state was getting told that gig workers and drivers wanted this proposition to pass. That is absolutely yep. correct. That is that mm-hmm. is the the that is what two hundred million dollars in campaign spending because there is no limit to what these corporations are able to spend on ballot initiatives. Also, those those uh, surveys they were they were using yep. were one straight up lies, and b some of yep. the authors of the surveys came out and said that they didn't understand why Lyft and Uber were able to mischaracterize their research the way that they did. But again, like the the federal or the Fair Political Practices Commission, which regulates like political speech in the state, doesn't regulate the content of speech. Only who pays for it. They they expect us to regulate each other's speech and to regulate our opponent's speech. And I feel like that's some bullshit and a coward's choice here. Like, you should not be able to just go out there and outright fucking lie and have the people who regulate political speech be like, oh, well, your opponent should have called you on it better. Like, well, I think, Bushido, I think you're exactly right. And also the the failure of organizing, uh, you know, in the cities, in the city centers, you know, we've got boots on the ground and we're we're knocking doors and we're doing great work uh, in areas outside of the city centers. It's uh, it's a wasteland uh, yeah. of organizing, not of people. Um, but you know, it's things like what People's Action is doing with uh, with deep canvassing, and they're doing like amazing stuff, knocking doors, talking to people. But it's like in Appalachia, it's in rural areas outside of California, because even I think would assume People's Action thinks that California is this like lib- you know leftist utopia where you know we've got it all covered. And yeah. sure, in Los Angeles, in in San, uh, San Francisco, maybe we we've, we've got a head start on it, but most of the state is not like that. And we oh, need yeah. people we need people to do that kind of deep canvassing work uh, here. Yeah.
I mean, remember, Devin Nunez is a California representative. Uh, Yeah, Kevin McCarthy is a California representative. Uh. Like, these are very red, terrible, terrible people, and our state keeps sending them to Congress. So we, you know, the the end point of this is we got some work to do, folks. We made some good inroads, but shit, we got to come up with some better, more effective tactics. And I think Terry's right to flag deep canvassing as a really good way to do that. Um, Let us, uh, let's move on and talk about the LAPPL and the Los Angeles Police Commission, which has the very... Uh, aptly named uh, Advisory Committee on Building Trust and Equity. Uh, that's a mouthful. That's a fucking mouthful. So let's let's so, talk about that, Chris. Uh, tell me, uh, where are we getting this information we're about to talk about? Uh, all right. So, well, this is coming from uh, a tweet from the uh, the amazing, absolutely amazing. I, I'm literally at a loss of words for how else to describe uh, Adrian Riskin's work over at Michael Kolhaas. Uh, at Michael Kohlhaas, uh, dot or, or dot org. Is that what it is? Yeah. Dot org. Um, on, on Twitter and the, the, uh, uh eponymous uh, website as well. Uh, it is a, a treasure trove of, uh, public records and information, uh, that is available when you file, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the California public CPRA, California public record at request, California public records act requests. That also is a mouthful. Um, specifically, this this uh, this instance isn't so much a public records thing as it is just a keeping tabs on what kind of bullshit uh, the uh, the the you know groups that are the sub, the purported civilian oversight portion of uh, our governance structures and the people who are supposed to be keeping tabs on what the cops are up to. Uh, this was a meeting that they the Los Angeles Police Protective League League was speaking with. Uh, that police commission advisory committee on building trust and equity, and uh, we've got a couple of selected uh, slides from this and some some f- fancy little quotes uh, along with uh, what was it? Colhouse got his hands on this proposed LAPD attempt. Um, to yeah, it's a this is a this. this is a leaked yeah this is a leaked draft of the report. So this is not yes. finalized, but this oh, is yeah. what was kind of like getting discussed before they actually submit this report. And there's there's some fucking gems in there. Uh, LAPD officers target criminal behavior, not race, not creed, color, or sexual orientation, period. Period. It's period. just it's just weird that, yeah, first off, they like to do the Oxford period, I'm calling it, where they finish a <laughs> sentence, then type period, then type another period. Yeah. Which, like, Terry, you teach writing. How did would anyone, you grade that? Did anyone tell them that this is a heading and it doesn't need punctuation? Or... <laughs> You know, it's like you, no. you leave out the you leave out the comma up top, and you add the period. It's I mean, it's sort of like the the migration of R's from north northeast down to you know, so just it's awful. It's yeah, really right. bad. Well, and, it's also one of those things. And it's also like not, when, it's also not oh, go true. ahead, sorry. Yeah, it's also when, <laughs> when, when LAPD is like we don't we don't police people based on race. It's like, well, then how do you explain all of the like statistical like disparities between like yeah. the actual number of black people in the city and the number of black people you arrest for crimes? Like, how do you explain that like black men are eight percent of the population and forty percent of the people you shoot? Like, what the fuck? Uh, they don't see color. Yeah. Uh, they the the. 
the Los Angeles Poli Protect Police Protective League's National Reform Platform uh, is another slide in here. And they've got, what do they say, 63% uh, are saying, so, well, uh, let's go over to the right side, which is easier to read real quick. Voters do support real reform that maintains police services. 86% of LA City voters reject the concept of the quote-unquote people's budget. Uh, I didn't realize that was on the, the ballot this year. Uh, it was not. So this is a public opinion survey results from the Los Angeles uh, of Los Angeles registered voters from July 17th to 22nd, 2020. Um, we don't have any information about what that polling was. Uh, they're, they're saying that 13 uh, percent of the city uh, want to reduce the number and scope of what it is that police are doing in the city, uh, calling for the number of police officers to, to be. Oh, they want to. They're saying that 13% of the city wants to cut the number of police officers by more than 90%. Um, that's a uh, an interesting statistic. So <laughs> I also like how they just make this shit up. They're like, Nithya Robin wants to defund the LA Police Department by 98%. You're like, where are you coming up with that statistic? Mm -hmm. That's not in any of these policy goals. It's not written down anywhere. They're just making this shit up. And when they're doing oh, these yeah. phone surveys, you know, they're calling grandma and saying, do you want to get rid of 90% of the cops in your city? And grandma's like, fuck no, I don't. That sounds yeah. scary, even though that's not the plan. Yeah. Mm. And, well, and, they're and they're sending cops to neighborhood council meetings to give comment. And, yes. they, and they just stand up and say, Nithya is going to take 90% of your cops away, you know, and nobody can push oh. back. We're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that. Uh, yeah. we're, we're gonna talk it about that. It doesn't help that we've got an LA City Council member who's literally a fucking cop or used to be a cop, <laughs> and I think he's I think he's still a reserve officer. I think like he still he technically is. kind of works with the department yeah. um, in the whole I corrupt mean, reserve officer. Uh, he, you know, uh, setup. at the beginning at the beginning of the coronavirus lockdown when they were doing all when they first started doing the Zoom meetings for City Council, he went to the LAPD station in his district in uniform and what and appeared on LA city council zoom calls in fucking LAPD reserve officer uniform. This was before uh, George Floyd and the, the uprising began. And, and he has notably, he has not put that blue uniform on again since the uprising started. Uh, I, I wonder why that is. Why, why, yeah. why, uh, why are you not wearing your, your, your cop blues anymore? Joe, like what? What the fuck? It's all. It's almost like he can read a room. No, he can't. He absolutely cannot. Yeah. <laughs> he turns red hop and mad whenever you accuse him of uh, having any ill will toward anyone, and we're, we're like, you, you clearly care more about the the sidewalks in your district than you do about the people who have been forced to live there through your inept yeah. policy making. But uh, fun fact, also the when he does those presentations that include sidewalks. Uh, a huge number of those sidewalks are not sidewalks. Uh, there is no sidewalk in the picture. And if there was sidewalk in the picture, it's still not ADA compliant because the city hasn't done a goddamn thing to maintain any of that infrastructure for the last 40 years. So yeah. the only thing they do to maintain sidewalks is they put up planters to block oh, God. The, yeah. the unhoused. I mean, that's. Mm. Or, that, or that... you know, put up put up chairs for L.A. Al Fresco. Right. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Garcetti. Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, Lord forbid you shut down a street and make it pedestrian friendly, and then look at all that real estate that's suddenly open that you can have a socially there, distanced meal. There are so many places where they could do that in L.A., and they just refuse to do it because cars must be king in this in this city. That is... 
<sighs> a pedestrian dystopia. But um, anyway, there, there's some more, there are more some, some more gems from this slideshow presentation. LAPD officers delivering improved community outcomes. Little to no public recognition of police commission and political leaders, or by police commission and political leaders on the advancements made by LAPD over the last several decades. Uh, quote, when was the last time you went to an LAPD officer's house and tucked them in at night and kissed them on the forehead? You monsters. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Uh, quote unquote reform plans that include items already implemented by LAPD, which obviously don't work. Uh, I believe that this is um, part of the uh, hashtag eight can't wait bullshit uh, coming out of uh, D Ray and others. Yeah, yeah, Terry, good eye roll. Uh, <laughs> uh, third point public vilification by city leaders of the department and officers. Zero rationale for $150 budget cut. They forgot the M. Uh, zero analysis of impacts no, they of cuts on public safety. You're right. It was so. That's the fun thing is it wasn't actually a 150 million dollar budget cut though. They were screaming to the rafters uh, that it was. Uh, it was simply a reduction in the increase in the budget for the LAPD because uh, they're a bunch Which of crybabies. Their, their increase still went up. Like their budget yeah. still increased year over year. It just was by slightly less than they wanted it to be. Yep. Uh, and then the last point that they have on this slide is that leadership void in condemning physical attacks on our officers. So apparently they think that they need all of the support from the leadership about uh, getting, you know, a couple of things thrown back at them after they literally blew up a, 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 a peaceful celebrant's eyeball after the yep. Lakers well won. They shot well him in the fucking face with a rubber bullet and exploded his goddamn eye. Like... Shut the fuck up, LAPD. But this is, the, I mean, the same, like, weak, strongman fascist rhetoric that we get top from the White House on down, right? I mean, the LAPD yeah. is both... Oh, 100%. They're, bo they're, both, they're both all powerful, and also they can't take a milkshake, right? So... Uh, <laughs> oh, Andy, no. Come on down south, Andy. <laughs> I mean, the fact that more officers haven't choked to death on tampons and their frappuccinos, <laughs> it's just... Boggles the mind. Yeah. So, um, but it's also it's one where like I was at Fairfax, Chris, you were at Fairfax. We saw some shit go down at Fairfax. Oh yeah, like yeah, no, they beat the shit Angelino's out of Angelino's getting beat left, right, and center, yeah. and no cops fired over that shit. Yeah. No, none. No, they'll, they'll buy him another MRAP for it. Yeah, I I watched uh, Kendrick getting shot in the leg repeatedly while we were there. I I watched. Like a number of people getting smashed in the face with batons and getting slapped in the in the arms with batons. Like Albert Corrado was right next to me. He got fucking hit hard right here in his forearm by a by, by a cop with a baton as they tried to like basically kettle him and a couple of others right when they they grabbed Richie and arrested him. Like it was fucking brutal and there was no repercussion for that. None. Yeah, and 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 also to you know kind of tie a bow onto this one. Uh, the cop who murdered Albert's sister still has a fucking job, and we don't know their name. It's one of Correct. two cops. Both of them still have a job. Neither one of them are in jail for just murdering the manager of a Trader Joe's. Fuck you, LAPD. Um, yep. Oh, let's. But hold let's, on, I got, I got some, I got some good quotes I want to pull out here before we play this video because I think these sure. quotes kind of help put things in context. So, uh, so Sandoz uh, is the the vice president of the LAPPL, and uh, this first quote will just like 
turn your stomach. Quote, look at the numbers. Do black lives really matter to the community? If LAPD arrested the 13,485 black violent crime suspects, does that mean that the LAPD is biased against black Angelinos? The answer to that is no. The numbers don't lie. Fuck you. Literally, Wells Fargo has an office on Bunker Hill. They have done billions, if not trillions of dollars in financial crimes over the last decade. Go kick in those fucking doors if you want criminals. They're right, they're right fucking there, Mr. Sandoz. And then, uh, as uh, Rob Harris is a, uh, another LAPPL ghoul, quote, nearly all of the reforms that are being talked about are already in place in the department. So the reforms don't, don't work. We need, we need more drastic reformation, if not abolition. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Well, uh, but let's play... Oh, go ahead. Well, that's, the thing with the, with the, that's the thing with the eight can't wait, right? Yeah. It's something like like 95% of police departments are already already implement those. And so then you got these grifters come along and say, look, this is this is my proposal. We'll do this. And it's like, you fucking jackass. What? Uh, you know, so, yeah. I mean, and to be fair, like the eight can't wait campaign has transformed into an eight to abolition campaign, but it's yeah. still incremental bullshit steps like that's still what they're pushing is incrementalism but they they at least like saw the public pressure and updated their tagline um but let's play this video from the la ppl that just like oh my god it's so bad it's so bad let's uh let's listen i can tell you today lapd officers do not feel respected by their city leaders and here's why (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just a little background. I have 27 years on this job. I came on this job to work in my communities, to make my community safe. I grew up in South LA. I work 77 Southwest, Southeast Bridget. But let me tell you why officers do not feel uh, supported. It's because there's little to no public recognition by police commission, political leaders, excuse me, political politicians on advancement made by LAPD over the last several decades. Reform plans that include items already implemented by LAPD, public ridicule by city <laughs> leaders, city politicians of That's department and sure. the officers. Let's zero not be rationale for the $150 million budget cut, zero analysis of impacts these cuts have on public safety. Leadership is void. Fail to condemn attacks against police officers and that's up 156%. The community that we serve, the majority love police. They support police. To the police commission, the mayor, city council, you should model the 21st century policing principles that you promote internally. The failure to do so has led to the lowest police officer morale since I've been on this job, which is 27 years. You have to do better protecting your police officers. Thank you. By the way, the, that, the I part, love the tag at the bottom of the video up, investinpolicing.com. <laughs> Fuck you. No, the, the part that I like is this whole, like, you're not being nice enough to us. And what they never talk about is the salary levels of LAPD. A rookie officer in LAPD makes more than the median household income in, of Los Angeles. And this is true of every police department across the nation. They are very highly paid servants with huge pensions and powerful unions. You're not being nice enough? Of overtime. Fuck you. Yeah. The overtime is insane. And and on top of all of that, fucking Michael Moore walking away with that massive drop payment because he's buddy-buddy with Garcetti, which, by the way, fuck you, Eric Garcetti. You are not going to get any kind of a cabinet position if we have anything to do about it, you disgraceful piece of shit. Uh, getting back on topic, 
Michael Moore is pulling out (laughs) pulling out more than a million dollars from the city through the fucking drop system. Like the deferred retirement option plan, whatever the fuck it stands for, drop. We need to drop the drop. Like that shit is such bullshit. It is not in any way making it doesn't make any financial sense for the city. All it does is encourage cops to just, you know, push all of their their vacation days to the very end rack all that up at the very like at the last minute so that it increases their effective salary then immediately yeah. take the def- the deferred retirement payment and just get fucking bank on our well, max and and then fake a disability that they oh can god then... oh <laughs> the marathon so, guy so yeah so they end up retire retiring anyway yeah it's... that fucking yeah, just... story just blew my mind when i read it i was like oh Oh, they are all bastards, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. No, and, it, and there was also, there was the guy who was busted for uh, revenge porn against a fellow officer oh, with yeah. whom he was having an affair. And like, it just goes on and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, the LAPPL makes sure that they get paid because the LAPPL takes care of their officers. So if we want to yeah. reform LAPD, we got to reform LAPPL, if not Wait. like do away with LAPPL well, entirely. I mean, it sounds like a mob. A, and, any more, any more of the cop unions are the only unions that actually fight for their membership. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, the, they're the only union that shouldn't exist. Let's, uh, let's talk about another terrible, uh, union linked police officer though. Talking about Dr. Sheriff Alex Villanueva, <laughs> uh, who has lost Hold on. another court battle, another one. And remember this guy has a PhD because I like to make fun of him for that. And also, Laverne, why did you give this man a PhD? But uh, we reported <laughs> last week on a loss in court by Alex Villanueva. This yep. week, it's another huge loss in court. And this one is like, this one's actually, this one is kind of like arresting because it's such a blatant violation of his ethical duties as a police oh, officer yeah. and a public servant. 100%. So let me just go ahead and read a little little bit here from the LA Times on this. Uh, quote, uh, a California judge Friday put Los Angeles County Sheriff Alex Villanueva on his heels in his running power struggle with the county officials, upholding the authority of an oversight commission to compel the sheriff to answer questions about how he runs the department. In a hearing in her downtown courtroom, secure, Superior Court Judge Holly J. Fujier, Fuji, Fujier, I apologize, I do not know how to pronounce her last name, uh, ruled that the Civilian Oversight Commission, a watchdog group appointed by the county's Board of Supervisors, was well within its power when it directed the county's Inspector General to subpoena the sheriff in May to testify about how the department was responding to the coronavirus inside the nation's largest jail system. Uh, fun fact, toward the end of the article, they they actually pull a quote out of uh, Villanova's finding, and this whole, like, you know, claiming to be the victim of, you know, persecution thing, it's, he really does, like, I, I, you know, Andres uh, from ACLU uh, mm-hmm. Is involved in all of these these issues with uh, you know trying to, to check the sheriff uh, and the check the sheriff coalition. He was deeply involved with uh, working alongside Black Lives Matter in all sorts of really good work, uh, and he always refers to Villanueva as like LA County's own Trump, and it, it it's it's a very apt comparison because they do have so many similarities of like claiming that there's fake news, claiming that they are the victims of uh, completely like unprecedented uh you know attacks from elected officials and and just this this anytime that their their authority is checked in any way they're just like oh you can't do this to me i'm the most persecuted uh but anyway let me conclude this uh with the last couple of paragraphs from this article 
The duties of the COC are to advise and make recommendations to the Board of Supervisors and the sheriff uh, not to cross-examine him, compel him, harass or bully him, or question him in a public forum on matters in which he is named as an individual defendant, end quote, Villanueva's filing said, pointing to litigation in which civil rights advocates accuse him of, quote-unquote, deliberate indifference toward inmate health during the pandemic. Following up, more than 3,500 inmates in the county's network of jails have tested positive for COVID-19 since the pandemic began. A majority have recovered, according to the sheriff's department. Eight inmates who tested positive have died. Uh, the fight over the subpoena is the latest turn in the sheriff's ongoing feud with the supervisors and other county officials. Last week, a divided board of supervisors voted to explore ways Villanueva could be removed from office in light of what some see as his unwillingness to submit to oversight, controversial hiring moves, and other issues that have rankled critics. I do like that they closed with rankled critics because he's done some crazy shit, including, including uh, making threats against the county's CEO, which led to her getting like a $1.5 million settlement and, and like 24 hour security <laughs> because she's afraid of the sheriff and his gang of thugs. Like what the fuck? Well, we want to talk about waste of money. We want to talk about waste of money with the drop program. I mean, this is taxpayer money that's getting paid to, to cover the legal bills against this guy whose salary the taxpayers are paying. I mean, there, I saw I saw a chart that showed like the the litigation costs for the sheriff's department uh, in recent years, and it like basically doubled since he got elected. Yeah. Like it has gone up so much. It went from like twenty four million, twenty eight million to fifty six million last year that they spent well, and, and in they, litigation costs. And the sheriff's department has always been the largest single share of uh, settlements that the county's been paying. I think it, uh, last time I checked, they accounted for 45% of all settlements in the city, which obviously not a majority, but pretty close to it. But county, there's but like yes. three, thank you, county, but there's like three dozen, three dozen other agencies in the county that are also paying out legal settlements. And all those three dozen other agencies only account for 55%. Like the sheriff's department running the world's largest jail system, having a literal network of tattooed gangs is just a waste of fucking money. Like you want to talk fiscal responsibility. Abolition is the only good fiscal choice here. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Fully, fully agree. All right, cool. So we're, we're all on agreement here. No dissension in the ranks on, on this podcast. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, we're going to move on. We've talked about doing this a little bit in the past, uh, doing some media criticism and stuff. And we, uh, you know, Chris and I had a little bit hard time getting committed to that. So we, uh, we kidnapped Terry. We put him in this blank white void. And we just made him start reading media articles until he found one that really pissed him off. So uh, set the stage for us, Terry. What are we talking about today? Okay, so... I, I wanted to come out right out of the gate, gun, uh, both guns blazing at Steve Lopez, no matter what. But this uh, last column that he that he came up with uh, just takes the cake for for a number of reasons. Well, so first off, for our, our viewers who are may not be, have been in L.A. for a while, may not subscribe to the L.A. Times, who is Steve Lopez? Steve Lopez is an award-winning columnist uh, with the with the Times. Uh, he's covered uh, a lot of uh, unhoused uh, persons' issues. In questionable ways, um, and was, what was he? He was what, played by Do Johnny Depp in a movie. We were, we were talking no, about I that. No, I think it was. I think it was Robert Downey Jr. Let me let mm. me check. But it was the the movie the the um, violinist or whatever. But basically, you know. Oh right, him, because yeah, because he made friends with uh, uh, an unhoused uh, cellist, uh, and then and then Lopez wrote a book about this. The 
Yeah, it was it was Robert Downey Jr. Uh, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, the cellist, the guy that that story is based on, still living on the streets of L.A. Mm, yeah, go figure. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, the, set the stage of, of what this column's about. Uh, we, as we all know, Gavin Newsom did a very bad thing recently. Oh, I should have grabbed pictures of that. Yeah, uh. so he, so he, he had a, what was it, a, it, was a, it was a birthday party. At, he went uh, to somebody's birthday party at the most expensive and exclusive restaurant in the country, uh, the French Laundry, which is headed by executive chef Francois Keller. Um, my cousin actually used to be the business manager for mm. the uh, French Laundry. From everything I've heard, it's it's definitely worth $1,000 per meal. Good, good. Good to hear. And supposedly outside, but it, there are pictures, it was a, a, a tightly enclosed tent with walls. Uh, no one had masks. <laughs> Super uh, outside. Even, even before they were eating, uh, you know, so in the, all these things, of course, I mean, yes, we should rightly criticize Gavin Newsom. He, yeah, so he's not a friend of the show. So, <laughs> yes, criticize him, criticize him. But the problem is, so, so Lopez's column, he starts off with say, you know, like, oh, this is, this is bad. You, Newsom should not have done this. And then he immediately pivots to... Uh, the mayor of San, uh, San Diego, uh, Falconer, I forget his first name, but anyway, so Falconer tweeted uh, about how bad Gavin Newsom is, right? Republicans will criticize the Democrat, of course. And so, yeah, so his kids can learn, learn in person, but yours can't because Newsom's kids go to private school. Mm -hmm. He can celebrate birthday parties, but you can't. He can dine on $350 meal, right? I mean, all these things are true. But the way that Lopez come, goes about it is he then says, so I went to go interview uh, Kevin Falconer. And I asked him if he's going to run for governor in two years. And then it becomes an interview with Falconer that then becomes a campaign ad for Falconer. No one asked Steve Lopez to do this, right? No. Like, like, <laughs> you could have just not. You could have, you could have, you could have criticized... Uh, Newsom on any number of grounds, and yet yeah. this is, and the reason that I wanted to pick this for, for media criticism is because I, I think it's it's so typical for the, for the Times and for Lopez in particular to, it's not even faux liberalism, right? Like this is real liberalism that always reaches to a comedy at the center. Yeah. But in, in the guise of we're the holier, more intellectual than thou, like, you know, sphere that where, you know, they, they're gonna, we're, we're gonna work both Cross the aisle and all that, all this stuff, in a way that is I mean, not even hardly closeted Republican, right? And mm -hmm. so he turns this opportunity to credit to rightly criticize the governor into a chance to elevate a Republican voice, which we don't we don't need that. No no one needs this. So uh, and in a way that continuously seeds the economic po populism to the right. Um, yeah. To say that this, oh, people are, you know, no one can afford food, and that's true. But why would you let the Republican governor make that argument instead of, uh, instead of us? So, yeah, that's kind well, of why. No, when it also it reminds me, you know, we've it, ever since Jerry Brown won the governorship again, we've kind of had, you know, a string of Democratic governors. Um, but before that, we had a couple of Republican governors, in, including the original governor, Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, who <laughs> came before the Gavinator. Uh, we yep. also had Pete Davis. We, we've had them on and off, you know, over the last like 20, 30 years. 
Republican governors have not been good for the state of California. Like when Arnold Schwarzenegger ran, his main campaign thing was, I'm going to stop the increases in DMV and car registration fees. That's why the state went broke. If Arnold Schwarzenegger had allowed DMV fees to rise the way that they were supposed to, the state would not have gone broke before Jerry Brown got here. And guess what the last thing that Governor Schwarzenegger did before he left office? He increased the fees to the level they would be at. Like, we've had Republicans in that office, and they were worse for the state than any of the incompetent Democrats. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know, like, maybe Don Jr. and Kimberly really want to move back into the governor's mansion up in Sacramento. Like, who the fuck knows at this point? But this weird turn that, like, oh, this centrist Dem is bad. The only other option is a shitty centrist Republican is so out of step with everything that happened in this election, especially in the big cities. Yeah, and— and weirdly, in Lopez, we didn't pull quotes from this, but weirdly, that was his criticism of, of Falconer. It's like, well, he's too centrist of a Republican to make it. So we should get oh, some fuck. really fringe maniac to run. And and oh the my state, God. just as we were talking about with the with the deep canvassing and, and the, the propositions earlier, this state is in California is, is constantly in danger of, of flipping back to to yeah. somebody really, really out there. Yeah, I mean, the Reagan revolution wasn't that long ago, and that's when the state of California went red. And, like, because he was also our governor, and Reagan has a lot to answer for for his shitty term of governor. But none of this adds up to, like, oh, you know what we need to do is we need to move farther to the right, and we need to leave people yeah. in deeper need with less social support. And also, like, Falconer has proven himself to be pretty pretty shitty to work with as far as like San Diego goes and especially addressing their unhoused population, addressing the way that that city has grown. Like San Diego is a much smaller population city, but you can sense the gentrification down there. Like I used to spend a lot of time in Coronado when I was growing up. And from the time that I was there in the mid nineties, when it was like a Navy town and it was Mm -hmm. small little houses full of families that were like Navy and like you know, kind of blue-collar working American type stuff. Now it's fucking McMansions, millionaires, Mercedes-Benzes everywhere, and then there's also a SEAL base. And every shitty Republican who moves there, you know, has dreams of, like, being a Navy SEAL and uses that to kind of, like, buttress their ego. But, yeah, if San Diego is the model that Steve Lopez thinks works for the state, uh, we're all really fucked. Yeah. So there, there is a there's I, I'm reading through the article right now as we're discussing, just looking for a couple of little things to pull out. Uh, and it, there's a, a point that Steve Lopez makes here where he says, quote, earlier this year, Falconer noted when the state's homeless population increased, San Diego's decreased. He invited me to visit and find out more about the city's approach. And I'm ha- happy to take him up on the I've, offer. Ha- having having talked to people who live unhoused in San Diego, yep. the reason the population went down is because the cops there will literally beat the shit out of you and run you out of town. They will chase you out of downtown. I've yep. been to Slab City and met multiple people who were arrested in San Diego. And after getting arrested a couple of times, the cops drove them out to Slab City, said, get out of the car. You live here now. That's Falconer City. So, yeah. Um, fuck you, Steve Lopez. Uh, the like Elevating Falconer to this position is just absolutely absurd. And, you know, giving him this this blank slate to speak uh as though he is some kind of an authority on any of these issues is just absolutely ridiculous. Another, like, uh, later on in the in the article, uh, he's concluding with saying, but that's why Newsom's lapse is so egregious, especially as the number of cases and the fears of a greater shutdown are on the rise. 
He put all of us at greater risk because Californians who have refused to wear masks and resisted COVID-19 restrictions are only going to be more emboldened by his hypocritical messaging, as evidenced by those who showed up at this week's Orange County Board of Supervisors meeting and lashed out at Newsom. I don't care how good Newsom's dinner might have been. It wasn't worth it. And the whole state got indigestion. And one thing about San Diego I really want to point out here is it's been seen as sort of an economic miracle, but that's because the national security state is the engine of San Diego. Without the Navy, without Mm -hmm. the shipyard down there, San Diego doesn't have a booming economy. It was a little bit of a tech startup hub back in the early 2000s. Most of those companies went bankrupt and bust. Uh, They lost their football team because their football team didn't want to be there. And the thing that would literally put San Diego under and is fucking their budget this year is the loss of Comic-Con. And Comic-Con has talked about leaving San Diego and city leaders care more about Comic-Con leaving than anything else because that is mm-hmm. literally everybody's revenue for the year. Wow. Other yeah. things, like my, my parents actually lived there for a few years and uh, I can tell you with some pretty high degree of certainty that uh, if... San Diego wants to uh, actually tackle homelessness, they could do something about like, oh, I don't know, like a vacancy tax. Because if they imposed a vacancy tax on those multi-million dollar condos that they have lining the waterfront that sit empty 99% of the year, like, Jesus. I mean, I'm being slightly, you know, uh, absurdist with saying it's 99%. It's probably only 90 to 95% of the year. But like, I, I remember visiting my parents and like looking across the way at the building across the, the looking, the, they, they were in a two building complex that were like mirror images of each other. And from their balcony, you could see like all of these em- empty apartments, just empty. And each of those apartments was, you know, well over $600,000 and all of them are sitting there empty. Nobody is living in any of them. Not, they're not that big. The bigger ones are 1.2 to $2 million. Like, it's absolutely absurd, and they're just sitting there letting these uh, these property holdings, which are like so thoroughly documented as uh, tax dodges and money laundering shelters. Like it's the the whole pied a terre situation. Like Vancouver has it going on, New York City has it going on, London has it going on, uh, Hong Kong, and then like San Diego. Absolutely, like it's not the same scale as like London and New York, but god damn. I mean, like, you still just... need a place to stay when Comic-Con rolls around. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the thing is anybody who lives in the city center tells you I Airbnb my place and I leave for like the week of Comic-Con because A, yeah. it's a clusterfuck. Every yeah. square inch of, of ground is taken up by people. Two, you can charge like $3,000 for a week stay in your Airbnb department and have your rent paid for three months. Like. Mm-hmm. That's a literal way that people like make ends meet in the city of San Diego. But um, yeah, I was going to say, Terry, any closing thoughts on like how we should be thinking about L.A. Times articles like this, how we should see like Steve Lopez as like an entity in the city? Like, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? Like, what, what do we do the next time Steve publishes a column? Uh, hit on hit unsubscribe. and give your money to knock give your money yeah give your money to somewhere else so that's uh you know i i just resubscribed la times because i mean this is good podcast is going to be kind of like a job so i professionally need to but i'm going to do it so you don't have to um you know the la times i mean it 
it's better than it was, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really bad. And now it's got, you know, billionaire owners has taken over and, and the, the reporters have unionized. And that those are all to the good. But uh, there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Um, so don't don't worry, dear viewer. Uh, it's This is not going to be all L.A. Times all the time. Uh, we're going to bring in a lot more <laughs> media to look at. And... But it's going to be Steve Lopez a lot of the time. We're not going to lie. There's going to be more Steve Lopez. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserves it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Terry, thank you much for that one. I'm looking yeah. forward to doing more. Let's. Uh, you want to stick around and talk neighborhood councils with us? Yeah, I'll stick around if you don't mind. Yeah, of Lovely. course. All right. So as you know, Los Angeles has 99 neighborhood councils. Each of these neighborhood councils is given an, an annual budget of around forty dollars to $45,000 a year. Uh, the neighborhood councils were kind of like, Back in the day, people wanted to increase the number of city council members, and the state was like, well, we're not giving you more money for that. So uh, the city of Los Angeles was like, fuck it. We'll just create this system that allows the most privileged, terrible people in your in your neighborhood to stand yep. in the way of progress. And uh, oh, my Buddha, the Venice Neighborhood Council and the Hollywood United Neighborhood Council, which, by the way, is called Hunk, which is kind of cool. They – um. Wow, they uh, they really got into it, Chris. Let's talk about this a little bit because it uh, it was Ugh. these were meetings for the record books. Oh, absolutely. So um, the fun thing to note is that uh, the so the way the neighborhood councils work is that you have to be a community stakeholder, which um, historically meant that you just had to be in some way involved with the neighborhood. Uh, I remember that in order to vote uh, on an issue in um, in the K-Town, so there was a there was an issue where yeah, the, the K-Town the, bridge housing, right? No, no, no. The the WCKNC, the West, oh, the Wilshire yeah, yeah. Center, uh, Koreatown Neighborhood Council was having a vote as to whether or not they would split and become like the Koreatown Neighborhood Council and then like the Little Ethiopia Neighborhood Council. No, little um, little Bangladesh. Oh, little Bangladesh. I'm sorry. Um, yes. So they were there was a, they were proposing this split, and. Uh, the requirement for you to be able to vote on whether or not that split would happen was was simply that you were considered a neighborhood stakeholder. And the, the way that they verified that was, do you have two receipts from within the neighborhood in the last couple of months? And so all they did uh, in order to, to you know skirt around that was they literally bust a whole bunch of reactionary folks from Orange County up into the neighborhood and claimed that they were defending Korean heritage and had them like buy some stuff at like a 7-Eleven and like a local, you know, Korean, uh, you know, corner store. And then that guaranteed that they would be able to vote in this. And it ended up being like voting that lasted until like 11 o'clock at night. And it was thousands of people casting their votes uh, on this uh, decision, whether or not to split the neighborhood council. And it was funny. It was like, 10 to 15 times more people voting on that decision than actually voted to determine who any of the board members were going to be that had this vote even come up. Like it was absolutely fucking wild. Um, the biggest and most uh, vociferous of the neighborhood councils is in Mike Bonin's district. It's the Venice neighborhood council. Uh, it is also probably the most. You, you will never find a greater hive of scum and villainy <laughs> and nimbyism. The Venice neighborhood council is just 
<laughs> I mean, it used to be like Venice is Dogtown, not because that's a yeah. cute name, but because like that was the shitty city where they let the oil workers live when we used to drill oil on Santa Monica Beach and Venice Beach. Yep. And yep. then it turned into multi-million dollar condos and rich people who like one of my favorite uh, Venice neighborhood council moments. And this is all the way back in 2005, 2006, like a Pinkberry popped up on Abbott Kinney. And all the rich people got freaked out. They're like, we don't want chain stores in our city, not in our neighborhood. Go to the Venice Neighborhood Council meeting about this. Dude stands up, starts railing against how, you know, he didn't move to this community for chain stores. And Venice has a, a unique identity and we have to protect it. And my boss at the time, who's literally one of the original Z-Boys, taps me on the shoulder and says, that's the CEO of Rip Curl. <laughs> yeah, let's, so, uh, let's talk about what was going uh, on. So what, well, what, well, what, really got, quick, these, uh, the, what got these the, homeowners the, all hot and bothered? So before we do that, the really quick, the thing that the, the neighborhood councils can do is that they are able to author what are called community impact statements, which then are relied upon by our city council members as justification to uh, push other council members to support them on various votes that they have coming up. And it also just, you know, gives them more political uh, cover when they're trying to do various things, whether those are good things or in this instance, very bad things. Uh, it also, well, if also, you are, if, you're, if your neighborhood council, oh, you're going to cover that. Sorry. I was, was going to say, if you're public comment, thank you. Got yeah, me. yeah, yeah. So the public comment is that if you are a member of the board of the neighborhood council and you're there speaking on behalf of the neighborhood council, which are two things that people most of the time do not actually do when they're giving public comment, you're actually entitled to five minutes of public comment on any of these issues, which, um, is great because it's a really good way to piss off the members of the city council. Because if you are a progressive member of a neighborhood council and you are saying, please don't hurt the homeless and you s take your five minutes in front of uh, Mitch O'Farrell on the homelessness and poverty committee, whoo, he is not a happy camper. Uh, seen it done. It's beautiful. People need to do it. But anyway, this particular instance, what was going on this week is that council member Joe Buscaino is on the warpath to fuck over anybody who is living on the streets in Los Angeles. He is hell bent upon, uh, opening up or resuming the, the, uh, a version of the care sweeps. Yes. So yeah. he wants, well, he wants to do 41, 41, 18 is that's a Bob Blumenfeld and uh Buscaino together. But this particular stuff is all about running to resume, uh, the, uh, draconian sweeping of the, the sidewalks in a way that, uh, enables, um, Oh wait, no, this one actually is. It's the 4118 stuff that he was getting. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the other it's, heinous bullshit it's that Bruce very complicated, doing. <laughs> And it's all the same like grubby fingerprints all over all of it. So it's very understandable. But yeah, so uh, Buscaino sent like staffers and uh, was supposed to appear himself uh, to the Venice Neighborhood uh, Council, which I believe is unheard of. I don't think that any city council member has gone in front of another city council members, neighborhood councils. Uh, you know, he's literally because just going would, behind. Yeah, Bonin's back. Bonin would yeah. be the, the city council member who kind of controls the west side where that's happening. He's um, the one Buscaino's that's supposed to be accountable does, to them, yeah. Yeah, and Buscaino's district, like, is a weird gerrymandered, like, catastrophe that captures the port <laughs> of L.A. And it is yeah. a little on the west side-ish, but it's like, you know, here's Bonin's district and here's Buscaino's district, like, literally opposite ends of L.A., um, and, well, and yeah, there's, it's just very, very unheard yeah. of and very unseemly. I mean, there's like Hermosa beach, Manhattan beach. Um, all of these, all of the beach cities exist between their districts. Like 
CD11 and CD15 are not contiguous districts. CD10 is squarely between them, along with uh, also Price's district, I think. Yeah. They're all, like, it, it's it's just this weird, like... You know, it, it's not unheard of. We, ju we just saw Lindsey Graham call into Georgia. Right? So... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Politicians do this all the time. I, mean, is, I do think this is pointing to something that we're going to see erupting in the next year is yeah. uh, under Herb Wesson's leadership, city council was very unanimous. They moved in lockstep. Like everything was planned out. There were no surprises. Now that Herb has been removed from the equation, we're seeing a lot more like um, uh, palace politics erupting in unexpected ways. And I'm kind of enjoying it because it's making the rest of the, the politicians at city council really uncomfortable because like they don't know what to expect now. All of this shit used to happen behind closed doors. It was predictable. You get your quarter million dollars a year. You get your automatic reelection. All of that is out the window now. Well, speaking of that, actually, um, I think that this is like, so the point here is that neighborhood councils, we, we it's an opportunity for folks to uh, call in and give public comment in another situation that is uh, an often underutilized um, mechanism for public comment and one in which the, the the cops have been very much punching above their weight. Like they're just been, they have been allowed to just walk into these neighborhood councils and give uh, you know, a report back on like, what's the status of crimes in the district? And they just sit there and they spout off a whole bunch of bullshit and often are blaming unhoused folks for crime without any evidence of it. And, you know, stoking these fears of these rich white homeowners that it is, you know, it's the brown people that live down the street on the on the corner because our city has failed them. It's actually it's their fault that like all of these crimes are happening and they don't have evidence for it. They just spout a bunch of bullshit. And then they start talking about people being service resistant and saying that they, they're offering these services and that people are refusing. And so it's like, well, OK, think about it for like two seconds. If your interactions with the cops have all been hostile and then they suddenly come up to you and they say, oh, hey, we want to, you know, we want to take you to this place and uh, give you, you know, a roof over your head and, uh, you know, maybe one meal a day. Uh, would you, you, you know, are you going to take us up on that? And you're like, no, fuck no. I don't trust you. Why would I trust you to pr provide those kinds of things to me? I don't have a relationship here with you other than saying, fuck you, you're going to just beat me up or take all of my shit and throw it in the back of a trash compactor. Like, it is absolutely absurd, like the what what we have done as far as the city's interaction with our unhoused neighbors, and Joe Buscaino going in and stoking fears, sending staffers and uh, prom like promoting the LAPDs and LAPPLs lies about these things to these neighborhood councils is absolutely insane. And fortunately, uh, folks from Ground Game have really stepped up to the plate when it comes to calling in and providing uh, public comment to rebut those claims uh specifically ashley bennett called in to the uh, the, the hunk neighborhood council uh meeting just last week and uh everyone universally was saying what an amazing job she did with that so congratulations ashley for tearing that shit down from those buscaino staffers who lied through their teeth um side note a buscaino staffer went after jane Wynn from k-town for all this past week oh my she she <laughs> stepped in it so hard and and just absolutely in the dumbest way she was like oh do you build housing it's like we're private citizens 
you're literally somebody who works in City Hall. You literally like, have I a budget for that I, shit. I, I, I can't build housing. It's literally illegal for me to go around building housing. We gave you a billion dollars in Measure H, uh, uh, and you have built nothing. We we paid for 10,000 units, and we're going to get, at best, 6,500, and that's yep. allowing them to cook the books to make pre-existing units count as new construction. Yeah, Alexis really did a, uh, a bad job uh, doing her background research before trying to attack Jane. Uh, it was really – it did mean that Alexis did lock her account for about a day. Uh, before jumping back came in. came out swinging again. <laughs> like, she just tried to tweet through it, and it's like, do you know how online we are? Like, have you met Richie Sarjanko? He is basically the Twitter singularity at this point. <laughs> well, she was she was literally attacking Nicole from People City Council. It's just like, that. okay, you're just making, you went from, like, really bad to, you're just kicking a hornet's nest at this point of like, do you really just want to have your Twitter just shit hey, on all over the place? Hey, highly educated single mother, what the fuck have you done for this city? Are you listening to yourself? <laughs> like, just keep your, just keep your, your resume prepped, Alexis. Like, 2022, like, Q4 2022 to Q1 2023, you're going to be looking for a new job. I Amen guarantee it. I oh, guarantee it. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Nicole. I believe that she has uh, very yeah. recently become not a single mother. Uh, congratulations on that wedding, which I do believe was uh, crashed by a Latu protest, if my memory serves. I think it was. Uh, I think it was a little bit pre-planned, but it was also a great uh, yeah. way to celebrate their uh, their commitment <laughs> ceremony. So yes, Absolutely. congratulations to the new couple. Um, but speaking of uh, commitments and ceremonies, but some that might have been a little bit getting ahead of themselves here. Uh, we saw a leaked, or not a leaked, but a CPR aid email that came oh, out. Oh wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we before uh, we go oh, there, real quick, back oh. on the back on the, the neighborhood council thing. Uh, filing period is open. If you would like to oh, run yeah, yeah. for the board of your neighborhood council, running for a position will cost you money. You get paid nothing if you win the seat. It's all volunteer stuff, which is some bullshit because that means the people who are financially stable and people like me who are like don't have kids or other commitments are able to easily fulfill these jobs. That's why the neighborhood councils are full of like homeowning NIMBYs who have the, like we're close to retirement age, have money, have all the time in the world to do this kind of work. Uh, DSA Los Angeles, Ground Game LA, we're working to get like young progressives on there. You can easily file, go to um, empower.la and you can uh, go ahead and take care of that. Uh, EmpowerLA.org. Thank you, EmpowerLA.org. Uh, but the other thing you can do is you can look up the election date because elections will be running from April 20th through June 15th. So every weekend pretty much is going to be a different region in the, the 12 different regions for neighborhood councils. So mm -hmm. keep an eye on that. Know when your date is. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe you can request a mail-in ballot because of a pandemic. Yes. But these are like super low turnout elections. When we talk about a neighborhood council election, we're talking about the winner getting tens of votes. In total, not vote margins, tens of votes. You know, the, the highest turnout neighborhood council elections the last time around, these happen every two years, the winner got like 120 votes. Like, we can easily flip these. Like, you just go knock on some doors in your neighborhood and, like, suddenly you're, like, you're throwing some real political weight around on the neighborhood council level. The neighborhood council, like, system is very broken and stupid in a lot of ways, but, like, it exists. It's an avenue to power. Let's at least get on there and make some changes and also not allow people like Alan Parsons to like come out swinging and call us all spoiled rich kids and like, fuck you, Alan. One, I'm almost 40. Two, you know how much debt we're carrying? Three, we're the most educated generation in the history of fucking civilization, buddy. You really want to like, you want to bring the fight to us?
no, no, sir. Fuck you. Anyways, Chris, and, uh, let's well, talk about... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Terry. Just real, real quick. The, the neighborhood councils, they are a worthwhile arena of struggle, right? And uh, they, don't have, they don't have a whole lot of power, but, uh, you know, what was it, two, two years ago, one of the neighbors... You can use that $25,000, $40,000 budget for oh, yeah. pretty much any... For anything that the that the council agrees on, and um, you know, central neighborhood, central Hollywood, I think they brought in showers of hope, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you can actually perform the services that these services not, you know, the that the, that the cops say that the cares shit is doing. Um, you know, you can actually bring that to your neighborhood. So yeah. it's a worthwhile place. Yeah, Absolutely. no, that's a very, very good point. Um, and so, yeah, so there, there is like there are reasons to get involved. And if you're looking for something to do, you want to like try your your hand out in politics because like the neighborhood councils put you directly in contact with people who work at city hall. You have higher aspirations. This is a good way to get your foot in the door there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So as we're as we're rounding the corner here towards the end, because we have been going for a while, let's uh, yeah. talk about this uh, <laughs> this leaked email from Michael Kolhas um, and about the possibilities of an interim mayor uh, and why we all took a collective dump in our pants this morning when this popped up on the timeline. Yeah. Uh, hi, Alexis. Please let me know which day and time works best. The following are available dates and times to discuss the interim mayor with Sharon. So this is an email and coming this was, from. This, uh, it said, what was the day it was sent on? So this was sent on October 22nd by uh, Renee Glasgow uh, to Alexis Wesson, uh, who is the chief of staff for Nuri Martinez and also is the wife of Herb Wesson's son, uh, who is his own chief of staff, I believe. Um Definitely, yep. uh, they were they were the the pair that got married at City Hall with free LAPD protection until her got City called Hall, out on it. I think not City Hall, but yes, uh, it was yeah. LAPD uh, protection at the wedding that was not reimbursed until extremely after the fact uh, when like the LA Times called them on it. Um, but yeah, so it, it's. Um, do, do you put and, that on the registry? Uh, no, I think you uh, you try to put that one off the books and then hope that the LA Times doesn't call you on it because nobody else apparently has the leverage on that. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. blue. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, this all came out in the midst of um, in the midst of a shall we say a bit of a scandal that's been erupting surrounding uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mayor. Eric Garcetti, uh, his, yeah. his, his money man is apparently, uh, a, it's been an open secret for a while that, um, Rick, uh, oh shit. What's his last name? Rick Jacobs. Rick Jacobs. That's right. Rick Jacobs yeah. is a uh, piece of shit, uh, yeah. and is a, uh, a serial sexual harasser, uh, who, uh, does not understand what, the boundaries of uh, appropriate behavior are in any fucking context whatsoever. Uh, a, p a photo just came out a couple of days ago where Rick Jacobs is uh, grabbing at the crotch of somebody while Mayor Garcetti is standing I mean, three feet away with both thumbs up. Well, he's clearly he's clearly not making contact, and it's obviously like people that he he knows, and it's familiar, and it's supposed to be jokey. But everybody else in the the photo is like hands to themselves, being very polite. And Rick Jacobs is just like, "I'm gonna do some silly sexual harassment." You're like, "That is, that is not that's not a good look, sir. That's a really mm. bad look." 
So this this email came out right as it turned out that or right as it came out that the people suing Rick Jacobs would like to depose Eric Garcetti. And I've been saying if Garcetti gets deposed in this case, that's the end of his political career. Like that deposition will one day be public and that will just have so many knock on effects for Eric's gar- career. But when this email was written, his name still being floated for the cabinet. It looks like that might have changed, but nobody knows for sure. But it appears council took it seriously enough to be like, hey, we need to start strategizing for who's going to replace Meg, because when he leaves, it'll be too close to the 2022 election to call a new special election for a mayor. So instead, Mm -hmm. we'll have like a sort of stand in mayor for the next year and a half. So that actually brings up a... um... A very good point of uh, tying in some work that people from K-Town for All and another a number of our uh, allied organizations are doing. There's this project called Garcettiville. You can go ahead and check out their website, check them out on Twitter. Um, it's at Garcettiville on Twitter. Uh, I believe it's Garcettiville.org. Um, I don't remember exactly the URL for the website. But this graphic just came out uh, that is fucking devastating uh each of the dots on this image in front of you right now represents the death of one unhoused angelino in 2020 the mayor of la's criminalization led policies have a climbing death toll four unhoused people die every day in la last year it was three every day we have jumped to four every day it is a fucking disaster it is an utter failure we need to take it upon ourselves to Mitigate the harm that this fucker is going to do to the rest of the country by keeping him here as our fail son mayor. Keep him in that position so that he cannot fuck over the rest of the goddamn country. The idea of putting him in as the secretary of transportation or the secretary of housing and urban development is fucking risible. It is absolutely detestable that anyone would even fucking consider this ignorant piece of shit for any of those positions. He utterly failed as the president of the Metro board. He utterly failed to address anything about our ongoing housing crisis in the city in his entire fucking tenure. He was in city council before that. He was the president of fucking city council before that. Like, it's just insane that anyone would think that this piece of shit is in any way suited for a cabinet position. So go to Garcettiville uh, on Twitter and help out. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, no, but uh, all right. So let's uh, let's roll right off that to uh, there's not a whole (laughs) lot going on this week. Because it's Thanksgiving, obviously, and we're all going to be locked inside, not um, not going anywhere. Uh, but there are a couple of digital events that you can tune into, including Correct. a really fun one tonight. Yes. So tonight at 6.30 p.m., uh, there is uh, – <laughs> I still can't fucking say it. It's uh, L.A. Jeopardy. Uh, it is uh, Jeopardy, Jeopardy. I can't fucking say it. it's Jeopardy, but it is with a LA podcast, folks. So you can go yep. ahead and tune in and, and watch Hayes Davenport, Alyssa Walker, and Scott Frazier from the LA podcast going head to head against each other uh, in a benefit program that is being hosted by K Town for All. Devin Manny from K Town for All is the host. Uh, this program is going to be benefiting Theo Henderson uh, and his podcast, We the Unhoused. Uh, the RSVP for that is over at ktownforall.org slash Theo, T-H-E-O. Uh, it will be live at 6.30 p.m. It'll be up on the K-Town for All Twitch channel. Uh, I was helping out a little bit with a tech check for that last night. It's going to be so much fun. It's fantastic. The questions are great. Uh, the art is amazing. Everyone should tune in and check it out. 
Uh, there is uh, information on there about how to make donations directly to Theo Henderson. I believe it is um, uh, going to be with Venmo is the preferred mechanism. Uh, but all of that information is up on there. Please tune in and check it out. Again, ktownforall.org slash Theo. Uh, it's going to be a great time. So that's at 6.30 tonight. So we've got three hours from now <laughs> if you're watching this live. <laughs> Um, I'll also be uh, live tweeting on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, this week for the uh, return of city council. We were on recess last week, um, and I did not realize that when I started to get ready to get the, the live tweets fired up on Tuesday last week and then was like, wait a minute, where's the agenda? Oh, the agenda says there's nothing going on. Uh, but there <laughs> is a meeting this week, and a uh, big win for all of our friends over in the Services Not Sweeps Coalition, uh, specifically with Streetwatch LA and K-Town for All, uh, Nuri Martinez got cold feet because she realized she didn't got the votes. Uh, so yep. the updates to 4118 are not going to be voted upon. Uh, they will still we'll, be discussing we'll, them. And so it looks like we're not getting a vote on that until David Rue is replaced with Nithya Raman which is really, really, really good because uh, she's going to be a super positive force on council. That happens on December 14th. So yep. we'll have to see whether or not uh, Nuri maintains her presidency because that is also up for a vote very shortly. Yes, it is. So it's going to be very interesting what's going on at city council here in the next month or so uh, going into the holiday season and the new year. So uh, tune in and join us. Uh, it's a fun. We had some really great conversation going in the chat the last couple of times. Uh, it's a great place for people to vent about how absurd this entire uh, system is and how incredibly difficult it is for people to give comment uh, at these meetings. It's a great place to uh, talk with other people who are feeling just as mad about it as you are. Uh, and then I get here and just kind of talk. Um, <laughs> and then we've also, we knock at night is still happening. I don't know if there's going to be a show this week. We're kind of yeah. figuring it out. I uh, do expect us to be back definitely the week after Thanksgiving and from here on out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also uh, no ground game meeting this week, uh, but we Correct. will be back at it next week. Uh, yep. Lastly, uh, looks like as we go into lockdown two, electric boogaloo, uh, mutual aid LA, could really use some more donations. They're still they're still out there now. Granted, intake is paused because there's a huge backlog of people who have requested help, but there is still direct cash assistance and grocery assistance going out to families. So mutualaidla.org, you can donate there. We also support other community organizations in their work. Every yeah. single dollar helps. So thank you all very much. Have a lovely, have a safe Thanksgiving. Terry, thank you for dropping in with us and uh, letting us know why we should hate Steve Lopez. Yeah, Chris, you want to... Of course, you want to take us out. Sure. As always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in, publicizing, or just being made aware of, send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page or over on Twitter or Instagram at Ground Game LA. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. You can support our work over on Patreon at patreon.com slash knock underscore LA. Big shout out to everyone who has signed up for that Patreon. We have reached a threshold that uh, is was was unimaginable to us just a few months ago. And yeah. uh, we are extremely thankful for all of that work. We have talked a little bit about how we, we offer payments to writers on a sliding scale based on need. And uh, it's some really incredible work that we're doing here. And the more that you support us, the more we can support those writers. Please, please, please help us do that work because uh, the LA Times is fucking terrible. And we're not even talking about the shit that's going on uh, with their food criticism uh, saga. Yeah. Uh, we don't have time. Yeah. Like, 
we're yeah. we're an hour and 23 minutes into this recording there is not the time to talk about that right now because holy shit the la times needs to get their fucking act together uh check yeah. the description of this podcast for links to our sources uh upcoming actions and our social media links and we'll absolutely be including links to uh uh, to Melissa and, and Polo's pantry and uh, everything else that's going on that you can help out with this week in terms of food distribution and everything else, uh, given the fact that this is now a more poignant time than ever uh, for everyone who is starving on our streets, that our system has utterly failed. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Keep your loved ones safe. Don't go out and do anything that you don't absolutely need to. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers. Yeah, and to leave y'all on a, a kind of inspirational quote, when Jonas Salk was asked who owned the patent for the polio vaccine, he responded, the people, I would say. There is no patent. Could you patent the sun? Nationalized pharmaceutical production. Make sure the vaccine's free to fucking everyone. Y'all stay safe. Insulin. Love you very God much. Damn. Yeah, Thank fuck you. yeah. <laughs> I could use that. <laughs> Peace, y'all.